0: My guest today is Chan Tyser, who is a reservoir management team lead for Occidental. Chan, thanks for being on the show, brother.
1: Uh, Alex, I really appreciate you having me.
0: Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, so for all the lay people out there, what does being a reservoir management team lead entail exactly?
1: Sure. Um, so uh, my team uh, out in West Texas, we have uh, about 600 oil and gas wells that we are responsible for management Um, so as a reservoir management team lead i have a group of engineers and two geologists uh, as well as some kind of data techs who help us um, to uh, you know make as much money as we can with uh, wells that are producing oil um, out in west texas Uh so uh, work with facilities engineers production engineers and reservoir engineers as well as our geologists to um, find ways to to make more oil, um, fix wells that fail, and optimize our field for the future.
0: All right. So how exactly did you end up in that role, Chan?
1: So I joined Oxy um, after a couple of internships uh, for a full-time role in July of 2012. Um, So I, I worked uh, as a drilling engineer, um, initially uh, working on rigs for two weeks on, two weeks off, I was uh, helping to oversee our drilling operations. And then uh, I transitioned from that role to uh, working as a drilling engineer in Houston. Um, and over the next few years, I've, I've had some individual contributor roles um, within the drilling function. And then later on as a reservoir engineer, And in my last role as a reservoir engineer, I helped to uh, plan um, our 2019 uh, capital budget and all of the well locations that we were planning to drill, the facilities that we needed to build, um, and the entire effort to to put new wells on production. Um, and, And fortunately, kind of at the end of that role, I was asked to kind of help lead uh, a different uh, reservoir management team, but uh, a similar structure to the one that I lead now, um, to execute the plan that I put together for uh, for that year. Um, and so I was able to work in that role for about a year and a half, and um, got you know a ton of great experiences. My first formal leadership role, um, but uh, you know after. After about a year and a half in that spot, I um, had the opportunity to move and manage a very different asset with a different group of people that I'd never worked with. And so was happy to, to make the transition to my current spot.
0: Awesome. So it sounds like you've got really strong technical skills, a highly technical background. Uh, what exactly over the course of your career, your life in general, has prepared you specifically for the challenges of leadership?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a great question. Um, so, I've always been pretty strong technically, um, you know, from elementary school all the way through college. I think the kind of the academic and the technical portions of things came relatively easy for me. Um, but I think my um, ability to, to lead people really started to develop in high school. Um, you know, I, I had a group of friends and we uh, we're interested in, in um, duck hunting and outdoor conservation. And so we started uh, a club uh, at my high school, and that was kind of my first leadership role um, that I got to take on, uh, helping you know, lead that group with a few others. Um, and you know, I think that I had always, just due to my you know, ability to work through things um, you know, from a technical perspective or academic perspective, with relative ease was, was happy to help and, and share that skill set with others. Um, but I had to get a lot of practice in leading people. So that was, that was kind of the first example. Um, and then that carried on into college. I had, I got some great experience, um, leading people in my fraternity is, is one of our kind of executive committee members, um, as well as leading some friends in, in various Bible studies and, um, gain a lot of experience in organizing people and, um, kind of bringing people together around common ideas. Um, and, and, you know, looking back, I think some of the things that I enjoyed most in leading people were not so much in, in formal roles, but, uh, I enjoyed being kind of a leader for our friend group and organizing and creating, um, activities and events where people could come together, whether it was a, a meal or a a wine and cheese party or some sort of um, activity that people could all uh, get excited about and come together around. So, um, you know, through, through high school and into college, um, I think I found uh, a lot of practice and leadership uh, just through my social life um, as well as, you know, a few formal activities outside of that. Um, And then, you know, into my professional career, I um, was fortunate enough to you know, have some leaders above me who saw, uh, I think, potential in me and asked me to kind of informally lead smaller groups of engineers uh, at Oxy on, on various projects. Um, and so I continued to get practice in uh, kind of coupling my you know, ability and, and desire to connect people uh, around common ideas um, and working in you know, the technical challenges that we were working through um, at the time. And so, uh, I, I think those those opportunities, whether it was, you know, working on um, a new uh, enhanced oil recovery pilot or um, putting together kind of the capital plans that I described earlier, um, certainly helped prepare me for the formal management role that, um, you know, I got at the end of 2018 um, and, you know, continue to to serve in now at Oxy. Um, but I've had a lot of growing since then.
0: A couple follow up questions there. One is can you kind of compare and contrast leading in a social context with your friends as opposed to leading coworkers in a technical environment?
1: Sure. Um, you know, so I think the, the, the things that I find most similar about it, right, is people like to be excited about something. Um, so in my social life has either been you know, gathering together to to get into uh, a Bible study or um, organizing an event around, uh, you know, grilling and fajitas and, and margaritas. Um, people like to be excited about something together, and um, it, it takes one person or, you know, a couple of people to um, create an idea and then share that and, and execute um, on that, concept and so i think in the professional world it's no different right people like to be excited about the new business plan that you're working on or um the next well that you're going to drill um in your field but you know unless somebody really latches on to that idea and takes ownership of it there you know there, there won't be any progress towards making that reality happen um i think that the difference in the professional world is that the um the attention to detail and the um, the relationships that you have to, to work on and cultivate uh, look very differently, right? People um, in the social world are probably more willing to forgive you for things, um, for issues or mistakes that might come up or, you know, will overlook uh, an ember from a good meal. Um, but in the professional world, things are taken to the next level, um, which is always a great challenge to work through. Uh, And so I think you know leading a team of people to to execute something in the professional world, um, there's also a lot more uncertainty around what you might be doing or uh, the end goal that you're you're trying to accomplish, right? Things there's a lot of it's tumultuous times whether it's 2020 with with COVID and and the oil price crash crash or um, some unforeseen issue that you run into while you're drilling a well. Um, and so you have to be able to adapt and react really quickly, and um, you know the, the details and challenges that you encounter uh, as a team of people working on something are probably much more magnified um, than in the social world.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, it just seems like, you know, kind of looking at your story in particular, uh, the need for uh, having technical chops. You know, or you're just trying to get friends together. It's like, whether or not they like you, have you spent enough time around them? Do they think you're fun? Blah, blah, blah. But in the technical world, I imagine it's invaluable that you come to the table with this, you know, wide range of experience that you have. People look at that and like, okay, we can trust this guy. Let's follow him. Let's buy into what he's saying. Yeah. You know, so I, I think in uh, the professional world,
1: you certainly have to have um, some sort of technical expertise and competence um, in order to lead but one of the other you know unique aspects of working in the professional world is uh, I get to lead a team of people who are experts in their field um, that I may not know everything about uh, or you know they've they've been working the same oil and gas asset for the past 25 years of their career and so um, the people who I'm leading they really are the experts and it's it's up to me to um, to work with them to kind of come to consensus right answer as opposed to me, you know, scrutinizing their technical work. Um, because the reality is I don't have all the technical answers. Um, I, I'm fortunate enough to work with a team of really uh, smart and talented people who, um, some of whom have worked in oil and gas for, for far longer than I have. So, um, reaching out and collectively gathering the right technical answer, um, takes a lot of work. Uh, in my technical background, Helps and, and you know, there's times that I'm able to add a unique perspective that some of my team may not have. But um, as a as a kind of a frontline engineering manager, I do have some technical oversight. But um, a lot of it is connecting people's ideas with uh, each other, or you know, working with the various experts in
0: across Oxy to you know making sure to make sure that we're doing the right thing. Kind of seeing the big picture. And being able to bring more reset, more resources to the table. Exactly. Yes. Um, you know, I've, the
1: neat thing about my current role is I've, I've moved business units within Oxy, and so uh, you know I'm having to, I guess, work with a, a very different set of people than I worked to work with for the prior um, eight years of my career. Um, but uh, you know, that's that's one of the challenges of my current spot in leadership, but the, the role of, or my role is still to connect people with um, people across the organization who can help us get to the right answer.
0: Gotcha. So I was reading an article recently that was talking about um, workers' desire for autonomy and how workers just perform better when they have a sense of autonomy and a sense of ownership and feel like they can kind of control their own time and their own destiny. Um, how do you particularly foster that in a technical environment? Sure. So
1: um, what what I've tried to work with the you know, the management above me and um, you know within my team is setting one clear kind of expectations for where um, I view that my kind of role as as a manager um, you know needs to have a, a say in decision making. Um, but you know beyond that, uh, I try and give. employees you know clear direction clear guidance on here's the end goal um here's what we're trying to accomplish and if you're if you're able to accomplish that you know going down the left path or the right path i'm okay with either um as long as you know the, the end result is you know quality work and um you know helps helps oxy as a company um So I I think the the biggest way to foster that autonomy and I agree that people do work better, um, you know, with some some sense of autonomy is, um, you know, having a, a clear vision and direction for where your team is going and then, um, setting kind of guide rails that help people navigate when they might get to, you know, hard decision points of when management needs to be consulted. um, but beyond
0: that, letting people run free and coming up with their own ideas and uh, their own ways of executing the plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So stepping into your current role, uh, it seems like the role that you had previously, you know, worked really closely with the type of role you're in now, and so you had a pretty good idea what you were getting yourself into. Uh, what is something that surprised you about this role, particularly about like a soft skill? that you needed to cultivate or end up regularly employing that you didn't necessarily foresee?
1: Sure. Um, so in my, in my previous role, um, you know, is it just a different team dynamic than the one that I'm working in now? Uh, mostly revolving around autonomy. Um, I think that uh, the business unit that I've moved to had kind of very clear, rigid, structure of how things worked um and as a result the kind of the frontline engineers were able to to work well um uh, you know on their own um which you know, i think has functioned well the the challenge came up that as things were dramatically changing in 2020 with um the drop in oil prices from uh, the pandemic we were really having to, to refigure out how to do all of our work processes. And so, um, you know, it, it took a lot of, of work to kind of engage the team, uh, in moving away a little bit from the, the autonomous work. Um, and, and as we worked to figure out what our new, uh, our new goals were, but, um, it was, it was really, I think, very fortunate the team was so skilled uh, in working on their own because there were some things that didn't change, um, and so in, in my role as a manager, I was able to focus more on things that were new and, and different. Um, but the day-to-day work,
0: the team did a great job of, of handling on their own. Yeah, kind of gave you the, the opportunity and the space to take a step back and, again, kind of re-engage with the big picture and identify yes. needs and problems and start working on solutions. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so to date, to this point in your career and your life, what are some of the biggest leadership mistakes you feel like you've made? And what did you learn from those?
1: Sure. Um, you know, so I, I look back to my, to my first leadership role, um, and there were a few things that I, I, I you know, would do differently. Um, but, you know, in, in my previous roles, right, I've been a very strong kind of individual contributor. Uh, in general, I knew most of the answers. And so starting off as a, as a new manager, um, I didn't want to overburden my team, and I, you know, tried to hold on to you know a couple of different work processes or um, you know details that we needed to, to manage, um, and you know hold those responsibilities to my own self. And uh, you know, there's a lot going on. I was um, you know working as a new manager. We were um, we were very active. we were spending about a billion dollars in, in one year um, as a very small team and uh i was also getting my mba at the same time so uh, there are a few things that got overlooked um and looking back you know, and what i've tried to change in my management style is really engaging the team to take responsibility over everything right so that not one person really is truly responsible for anything and people are able to step in um and identify issues or mistakes um or opportunities um without you know one person you know kind of holding all the cards uh in their hand um so that's probably the biggest mistake that i I look back on um in my role as as a team lead and uh, i'm actively working to continue uh delegating and finding uh, you know people within my current team or who may have unique skill sets that uh you know i'll ask them them to help manage things that in the past uh, i tried to handle on my own but um as a team it's better if people can handle uh, their own unique unique expertise uh, and then collectively um, the product that we put together is uh, you know much more cohesive and you know, hopefully mistake free
0: yeah I love the emphasis on delegation um, have you read any of Jocko Willink's books
1: uh, you know I have not that sounds like something that I need to uh, look
0: into <laughs> yeah he's the man and Jocko if you're listening to this we would love to have you on the show sometime uh, but he, he's written a, a ton of books about leadership and organizational behavior and stuff like that. And, uh, he was a Navy SEAL commander. And one of the lessons that he draws from his time in the SEALs is, you know, when, when guys are doing something operational, clearing a room, you know, assaulting an objective, whatever, um, as a commander, I mean, like he's got these instincts as a SEAL, like I need to kick in doors. I need to be engaging the enemy. I need to be sending rounds down range. And um, as a commander, he's got to kind of, you know, like take a step back and realize it's not actually my job to shoot bad guys. I need to be disengaged on a certain level so that I can be more engaged on another level and be able to bring resources to bear on the situation and communicate and coordinate and things like that. Um, So I think it's I think it's really cool that you recognize just the importance and value of delegation. And I feel like particularly in a technical environment, there's probably more pressure for you to not delegate than there would be otherwise just because of the nature of the work. Yeah, I think that's partially true, right? I think that, um,
1: particularly in uh, the, the oil and gas price environment that we're in, um, people at all people at all levels are trying to get down to um, the finest of details to find opportunities and and look at things in a different way. Um, and so, it, it is easy to get kind of lost in the weeds looking at. Um, you know, every individual wells production, um, every opportunity that you could possibly find. But, um, uh, you know, I think in, in the goals that our team is working toward, uh, I've, I've done my best to try and you know outline how, uh, you know, the frontline engineers can, can better handle that work and um, myself and, and the other managers can focus on on the bigger picture. That's true. Um, but it, it, it certainly is a requirement to have uh, and understanding of a lot of different technical aspects of things that, um, you know, down to kind of spending every last dollar, you know, we're,
0: we're doing our best to, uh, to get the most value for Oxy. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a tension there. Um, yep. Chan, are you doing anything currently to continue to grow as a leader? Sure. I think that the biggest thing that
1: I do, um, is I have several mentors throughout Oxy. Um, you know, I, I try to meet with them, you know, you know one or two of them uh, each and every month and just talk talk about ideas and challenges um, that we have going on within my team. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's been very helpful for, for my leadership and thinking through um, how I can manage better, um, as well as just working with my, my direct supervisor. I mean, he oversees uh, myself and four other frontline managers. And so I think, you know, reaching out to him, on a regular basis and learning from what he's doing um, has been helpful. And he had a similar role to what I'm in for, uh, for many years. So um, I think talking with other people is probably, you know, the way that I find um, I learned the most about leadership. Um, It's encouraging to me to see what others are doing, particularly at Oxy. Um, And yeah, I've started looking, you know, elsewhere in, in other industries and, um, trying to learn more about how people who manage uh, their teams um, uh, elsewhere, but you know, most of that's been through just talking with, with friends and getting their experience. Um, so a lot of my kind of growing at the moment is just through kind of personal interaction, but uh, always trying to improve my leadership abilities.
0: I'm a big fan of personal interaction. That was why I started this podcast, which is just be able to talk to people about leadership and what they're doing and how they're learning and growing. And thank you so much for being on the show, Chan. No,
1: I, I really enjoyed it. I appreciate uh, the opportunity again. It was, it was good.